Please turn with me now in your Bibles to the book of Psalms. We are in Psalm 119, and today we will begin our, our look, our study in verse 105, as we consider the psalmist's words, the psalmist's prayer to God in the midst of his pursuit of holiness while walking the path that God has called him, a path that involves persecution and affliction. So let us approach God's throne with these words, beginning in verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, O Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. Let us pray. God above, we do ask that you would shine the light of your spirit upon this word. Guide us in holiness and show us the glorious inheritance that awaits those who rest in you. Lord, open my mouth so that I might proclaim the meditations of your heart and open the ears of your people so that they may be changed. I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. In our previous section, verses 97 through 104, we saw that the psalmist had a brief period of rest in the midst of his affliction, in the midst of his suffering, as he is going through this extended prayer to God. And this reminds us that God promises rest from our toil, from the struggles that we have. Sometimes he promises rest in the middle of the struggle. Sometimes he promises, promises us rest at the end of the struggle But there is always that eternal rest that awaits the people of God. In that time of rest that he found himself in, our psalmist redoubled his commitments to God's word and to his pursuit of holiness as God has revealed his will to him in in the scriptures. And he gave us several benefits. He told us that because of his commitment, he would have more insight and more understanding than the teachers and the elders, and that he would be wiser than the enemies who were bringing his, the affliction upon him. And there's a temptation when we think about this where we have a, a dedication to the law of God. There's a temptation to think that, well, if I can just memorize enough or I can just meditate enough, then all the benefits of the scriptures will be mine. And the problem there is that you and I begin to think that it is our effort that brings God's blessings to us. The eight verses that we are going to look at today remind us that that is not the case. That there is a link, the Holy Spirit, that helps us as we take oaths, as we worship, as we seek to persevere in holiness It is the Holy Spirit that is working out the will of God in our lives as we seek to follow him. And so today we will see the inheritance that awaits the faithful. We will see the light that comes from the Holy Spirit to help us to remain faithful. 
And overall, we will see that our free will offering to God is a life pursuing holiness in the light of the guidance given by the Holy Spirit. First, let's look at our inheritance. In verses 109 through 112, the the psalmist shows us once again his faithfulness, his obedience, his commitment to God and to his word, even in the face of persecution. Verses 109 and 110, uh, the second half of those two, two verses have the declarations, I will not forget your law. I have not strayed from your precepts. Remember, the psalmist is teaching us the importance of God's word as we walk through this life, as we seek to remain faithful, as we seek to remain obedient to God. The psalmist is reminding us of the importance of God's word and his commitment to study, to meditate and to remain faithful to the word that God has revealed to him. Your commitment to God's word, my commitment to holiness is not a one time commitment. It is a commitment that we will make in the power of the Holy Spirit throughout all of our lives, sometimes because we have fallen and have repented and are recommitting our lives uh, to walk humbly before God. Other times, because as God illuminates by the power of the Holy Spirit, certain things within his word that are new understandings for us, we will recommit in accordance to those understandings that the Holy Spirit has brought to us. We must constantly be committed to the study and the living of God's word. The psalmist repeats this commitment in in a place of affliction once again. He says in verse 109, though I constantly take my life in my hands. And then in verse 110, he says, the wicked have set a snare for me. We are reminded that there is hardship and trial along the walk, along that path of holiness. If we were to go back through the sections that we have covered so far, we would see the themes of the traps of the snares that the wicked have set for the psalmist. The great enemy of God, the great enemy of God's people brings persecution, affliction and temptation to God's people in order to entice them away from faithfulness, in order to entice them away from holiness Whether it is sickness or outright violent persecution, the enemy is always seeking to tempt you away from God's word and the benefits that it brings to God's people. And that the attacks that the psalmist is now facing have great danger in them. He takes his life in his own hands as he seeks to be faithful and obedient to God's word. I was reminded of Jesus' words in Luke 14, 25 through 33 as I studied this this week where Jesus has a group of people that come to him and say they want to follow Jesus. And he tells them, he warns them that they must be willing to count the cost to follow Jesus before they commit to follow him. He says it may cost them their families as they have to make the choice between faithfulness to Jesus' good news or compromising that good news in order to keep peace within the family. He warns them, or I'm sorry, he warns them in the book of Revelation that it may cost them financial security as they may have to give up jobs in order to to maintain faithfulness to their pursuit of holiness and to God's word. 
And history has shown us that commitment to holiness has cost the lives of God's people throughout the history of the church. You and I need to understand that following Christ, being committed to holiness, living out the commands of God will cost you something. And I'm not just talking about our tithes and offerings. Truly being faithful to God's call to live a holy life and to proclaim the gospel, the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ will cost you friends, can cost you family or jobs or reputation, or maybe even your physical safety. But this cost does not come without reward. Verse 111, the psalmist says, your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. That word heritage is used in other places throughout the scripture to mean inheritance. Verse 111 reminds you and I that there is a glorious inheritance that awaits the children of God. The call to faithfulness throughout the scriptures, specifically in the book of Revelation, is a call based on the work of the land that was slain and yet now lives. In the work of Jesus, your eternal righteousness before God has been secured and your eternal life in the presence of God is assured as well. When you and I pursue righteousness, you and I do so knowing that there is a glorious future and a reward that awaits the children of God, the faithful child of God. And we know this because it is revealed for us in the very word that the psalmist has dedicated himself to studying and to living. We have looked at this psalm in the context of meditating on God's word. And when we think about meditating on God's word, we think about meditating and studying the instruction passages, the law passages or those places where Paul calls us to live faithful and holy lives. But I call you to expand your meditations to include passages that explain, number one, your status before God. In Colossians chapter one, we were reminded that because Christ is supreme, we are children, beloved and holy children of God. Meditate on those places where you are reminded who you are in Christ before God. And meditate and study passages like 1 Corinthians 15. Revelation 21 and 22, where the glories of the new heavens and the new earth are revealed and are described and remind yourself as you study and meditate that those are the inheritance of the faithful children of God. Study to remind yourself that the affliction and struggles of this earth are nothing compared to the weight of the glorious inheritance that awaits you as a child of God. You and I have a hope as we suffer and grieve in this life. And the hope is the inheritance that awaits the children of God. Live your life, pursue faithfulness to God's word in the strength of that hope, knowing that God's word is your joy forever, your inheritance forever. So the psalmist reveals to us that he perseveres in the midst of affliction because of the hope that he has in the inheritance that awaits him. And he also reminds us that there is a guiding light for the people of God as they pursue holiness. 
In verse 107, the psalmist says, I have suffered much. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. While, while affliction is an ongoing reality, as we saw in those last four verses, there is the truth that not only is affliction going on, but affliction has been a part of his life for a period of time in the past. And you can almost feel the weight of the suffering that the psalmist has experienced. And yet, because of the inheritance that awaits him, he has the hope Enough hope in the pain of suffering and affliction to cry out to God in verse 107, preserve or restore my life, O Lord, according to your word. We have seen in previous sections that that God has preserved his life and the psalmist cries out again for God to do that very thing. Strengthen me, restore me. Preserve the glory of the life that you have given. And he prays this because God promises in his word to do that very thing. In our prayer meeting on Wednesday night, we we went through a, a practical pointer on prayer, which was whenever you pray for yourself or for other people, tie those prayers to the promises of God. When we pray for somebody to be healed, we do that because God promises to heal when we pray for loved ones or friends to be saved, to, to, to have faith in the, the good news of salvation through Christ, we do that because God promises to save the lost. We pray that God would grow his church because God promises that he will grow his church. God has promises, promised to bring revival to his people in suffering So we pray for the revival and the preservation of life in the midst of suffering. Your prayers, my prayers, honor God when they are rooted in the promises that he has given to us in his word. And so the psalmist says to God, I am suffering. I have suffered. Preserve or restore my life in the middle of this difficulty I find myself in. How often do you and I pray God's promises back to him? And we see as the psalmist prays for life in the midst of his suffering, that life comes to him from two different directions. First, life is going to come to him through the worship that he gives to God. And secondly, the life life will come to him through the light that the Holy Spirit shines upon the path. First, life comes through worship. In verse 108, the psalmist prays that God would accept the willing praise of his mouth. This phrase, willing praise, is translated in the book of Leviticus as free will offering. In the book of Leviticus, God gives his people, in some of the sections of the book of Leviticus, God gives his people rules for holy living some of which are rooted in the moral law, some of which are applied to the civil realm and and some that are applied to food that we eat and things like that. These are given so that the people of Israel can be set apart as God's holy people, set apart from the people that live around them. But the bulk of the book of Leviticus is the sacrificial system that God gave to the people of Israel to answer a very important question. The tabernacle had been built. The people, when they stopped and set up camp, set up camp in such a way that the people of Israel were surrounding 
the tabernacle, which was in the middle of God's people. And the question that had to be answered is, how can a holy God live in the middle of an unholy people? And he answers that with the sacrificial system, which of course points forward to the perfect sacrifice that will be given for God's people for the forgiveness and the atonement of sin. Now, two of the main sacrifices that were given were the sin sacrifice and then the sacrifices given on the day of atonement. The sin sacrifices were given so that you could cleanse yourself from inadvertent or accidental sins or so that you could also cleanse yourself as individuals from the sins that you committed in your life. The day of atonement was given to cleanse the whole people on a yearly basis so that a holy God could live in the middle of an unholy people. Once the sin offerings were taken care of, once sin was covered and atoned for through the sacrifice, there were other sacrifices that could be given, either fellowship or free will offerings. They were given as offerings of celebration for acts of God in the lives of his people. And it is significant that the free will offering is given after assurance that sin has been sacrificed for and cleansed. The psalmist here is not giving his offering, his willing praise. He is not meditating. He is not studying in order to obligate God to give him the life or as a work given for forgiveness. His meditation, his study, his life of holiness is given as a free will offering, as an act of worship to a God who has done the work to set him apart as one who is holy in God's sight. This is a first step in receiving the preservation or restoration of life that the psalmist asks for, knowing that praise and worship is given freely because God has atoned for sin. You can memorize and meditate every day, however, if you have not found salvation in the finished work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you will not find the life that God promises. Our pursuit of knowledge or obedience is not enough to make us reconciled to God. Only the perfect sacrifice of Jesus given to atone for sins given to reconcile us to God, can set us in a place of holiness before God. If you want the benefits that the psalmist declares, you must first find salvation in Jesus so that your faithfulness and obedience is given as a willing worship, not as a payment on, a, on debt. We see another aspect of the worship that the psalmist finds life in, in verse 106, where he says, I have taken oaths and oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. It is good for us at times to take oaths. We get in trouble with oaths, though, when they become frivolous. We all have that friend that's habitually late, but they're always promising that they'll be on time. I promise I'll be there right on time. And yet, you know that they're going to show up five or ten minutes late. That's a frivolous oath. A frivolous oath is an oath that also says, God, if you'll do this, 
I promise to do that. If you'll come through for me here, I'll come through for you here. We don't take frivolous oaths, but we do take oaths on occasion. Our membership vows are valid oaths that we take that hopefully we remember every now and then that one of those oaths is that we will live a holy life before God. And that those oaths, whether they're membership or officers oaths, will remind us every now and then, okay, I'm tempted to sin here, but I have promised that I am going to live holy before God. And so we do that in light of the oaths, the vows that we have taken. And so we see here between verse 106 and 108 that the psalmist finds life in worship. In Sunday school today, we we looked at Psalm 73. Asaph, the psalmist, is grieved because God has promised that he will bless the righteous and punish the wicked. And yet the psalmist looks around and he sees the wicked being blessed and the righteous suffering. And it's in that moment when he walks into the presence of God in worship in the temple that he finds the life that he needs to answer the question, why, Lord, do the righteous suffer and the wicked perish? It's linked to the inheritance that we looked at earlier, but it reminds us that God gives us life many times in worship. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, you and I are are, are tempted to abandon worship when we're in pain or when we're doubting or struggling with faith. And yet the life that we so desperately cry out to God for is often found in worship, in gathering together with the saints to encourage one another and to be in God's presence. Well, the second place that the life comes from for the psalmist is through God's guidance. Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The psalmist's lamp or light would have been a small clay vessel that you could have held in your hand that had a wick sticking out of part of it and the the wick would have been lit and oil would have been placed, actually probably would have gone the other direction, the oil would have been placed in the lamp and then the the wick would have been lit so that light could be given. Now, these are not the LED flashlights of today that you turn on and are, are, are temporarily blinded because they have lit up the entirety of the neighborhood. These are candles that would light a step or two ahead of you and would illuminate the path that you were on walking in darkness just far enough for you to be able to take the next step. The guidance here is not what type of job should I have or whom should I marry? The guidance given is to remain faithful to the path of holiness that God has placed us upon. And as I mentioned, the lamp is filled with oil. And oftentimes in the Old Testament, oil is a symbol for the work of the Holy Spirit. Guidance in holiness comes to us through the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit opens your eyes to the need for salvation many times. For those who are walking in darkness, they are enabled to see a great light because the Holy Spirit opens their eyes to be able to see that light, to see their need for a Savior. 
If you are here in this place today wondering if you are saved, ask God to send you the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to see your need of a Savior. If you have been walking with God for a while, ask God to send the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to the truths that He has for you. The truths that remind you that you are a child of God. The truths that remind you that you are called to live a holy life, even in the midst of the difficult times that many times that path takes you through. The Holy Spirit is with every Christian, illuminating the word of God, showing them the truths that God wants them to know. And bringing those truths to the forefront when they are needed in the midst of life. You and I worry when it, and struggle when it comes to sharing the good news of salvation with friends and strangers. You and I worry that we might forget the words or that we might stumble or that the person would be hostile to the news that we give. Jesus promised his disciples that the spirit would come on to the come to them and would bring to mind the truth of the good news of salvation through Jesus when they were called upon to give it. And that promise is for you and I as well. The Holy Spirit is the power of God at work in you to do the will of God as you grow in holiness. The Holy Spirit is the oil that fuels the light that Scripture shines on the path that each of us are called to walk. It is good It is proper for you and I to ask the Holy Spirit to shine light on the word of God as you read, as you study, as you pursue faithfulness according to God's call. The psalmist prays for life in the midst of his struggle, in the midst of his suffering. And God answers that prayer with a call to worship and with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. After 11 chapters of explanation of the glories of the gospel, the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his life, his death and his resurrection, Paul says this in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, This is your spiritual or reasonable, depending upon your translation. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Once you and I are declared righteous, once we are justified before God, once we are made holy as his saints, Through the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we are called to be living sacrifices. We are called to engage with the Holy Spirit in the work of transforming our minds through study and meditation, learning, living, and loving the law of God. And as our minds are transformed, you and I will see our thoughts, our words, and our deeds transformed as well as we serve God in holiness, as we serve God in the world. And Paul says that this is our spiritual or reasonable act of worship. This is what the psalmist was getting to in our passage today when he said that when he prayed for life, God led him 
to free will worship, free will sacrifice to God, willing praise. Your free will offering, my free will offering to God is a life pursuing holiness in light of the guidance given to us by the Holy Spirit. The price has been paid for your holiness, for your righteousness. Your salvation is not dependent upon the success of your pursuit of holiness and faithfulness to God. But as a free will offering to God, you are called to transform your mind so that you may walk obediently and faithfully before him. The work of meditation is fueled by the guidance of the Holy Spirit so that your mind can be transformed. And as our mind is transformed, your outward actions will begin to come in line with the requirements of God's law on your life. Strive to see your obedience as an act of worship to a God who has rescued you from the death of sin. Seek the light of the Holy Spirit as you pursue the path of holiness to which you are called. Let us pray. To the great God above, we do thank you for the Holy Spirit and his work in our life. He draws us to worship. He draws us to holiness. He draws us to faithfulness. The Holy Spirit works in us as we are called to work out our salvation as an act of free will offering to you. Lord, remind us of the Spirit's presence when we struggle Remind us that he is here to guide us on the path that you have placed us on. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. As you go about your work, your family life, your fun life this week, please take this blessing upon you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.